0: All right, guys, we have a really fun episode today. We've got not one, but two special guests, and we're talking about, I was going to say our favorite thing, but it's like one of our thousand favorite things, but we're talking about horror. Actually, it's two of our favorite things because it's horror and comic books. So uh, come on in with us to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm flying solo today. There's uh, only one here in the Launchpad today, but I think I can handle it. Check it out, you guys. Ignition sequence start. Six,
1: five, four, three, two. One, two, all engines running. we have
0: a All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron, and actually, I'm not Aaron. Aaron just had a baby, uh, like a couple of days ago, and it's scaring me because I haven't gotten like any text from him. I got a pick, I. Sent him, hey, how's it going? He said, mom and baby are okay. He sent me photo verification that there was an alive baby and that she was doing well. Uh, but that's like all I've really heard. So and then he he called me when he went to get dinner, but that's I didn't get to talk to him. But it seems like everything's good. So we're we'll we'll check in with him soon. I'll let you guys know what he's doing. In the meantime, we have two special guests in the launch pad today. It's gonna be pretty fun. One you guys know, one you don't. We know Dave Schrader. Dave's been on the show a couple times now because he does all these fucking cool comics, including the amazing Baby Badass. Dave, welcome back, man.
1: Glad to be here. Always a pleasure.
0: And then we have uh, Clay Adams, who we've never talked with before, but has done multiple things with Dave and by himself, including Baby Badass, correct?
2: Yeah, I uh, lettered the latest uh, Baby Badass returns Mm -hmm. coming soon.
1: And, and Clay is uh, the co founder of Fried Comics, which does some amazing stuff. Like yeah. PBOW and um, Red Red Xmas, which just came out uh, through Scout, but I'll let him talk. Yeah, it's, about it's that.
2: coming out in December from Scout Comics. You can pre order it now.
0: Good yeah, plug. Talk a little bit more Could about that it. because we, and I'll speak for Aaron as well. Um, By Red Christmas, I'm assuming there is a murder or horror type of element to this. And we love bloody Christmas shit. We love you. You will love
2: Red X. You'll love you'll love this. Yeah. So it's a a, twisted holiday. It's a twisted holiday tale that's like uh, bad Santa meets the Terminator. So (laughs) I love it. It's perfect for fans of the boys or preacher or, uh, you know, any of that twisted stuff. So if you're a you were talking earlier before the show about uh, loving Steve Dillon, um, Mm. that to me. He followed me on Twitter shortly before he passed and that like that to me was like okay I can die happy. Now. Oh that's so Steve, awesome. Steve Dillon noticed me.
0: That's <laughs> ridiculously cool. Yeah, if it's in that vein and we you know we love Christmas. We legitimately genuinely love Christmas, but I also love Christmas coming in from right field and crazy horror crazy violent shit that happens during Christmas when you could juxtaposition the niceness of that holiday with some shit going down. So Red Christmas sounds pretty fucking cool <laughs> it's
2: it's it's a good time it's a you know we were thinking my co-writer alexandro philippe and i were thinking like what is the perfect horror villain and we were like well it must be freddy krueger because he comes to you in your sleep and we we're like well who else can come to you in your sleep santa claus <laughs> oh <laughs> shit we had bonded over preacher uh, way way back when, and so we knew that it would take a kind of a, a similar tone. So yeah, if you're a fan of any of that stuff, you will you will dig it.
0: Rumi's gonna die when he hears this because he has a whole Santa Claus, Freddy Krueger thing already scripted out for oh, sure. Really? Like literally, it's those two. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say those two properties. I don't know if you can call Santa Claus a property unless you're a property. yeah Coca Cola, sure. I guess does, but. He's yeah he's got like a like a short scripted I've read the actual script and it's not bad it's uh-huh. uh, he loves him he loves him some Freddy Krueger and he had the two of them face off in a in a pretty interesting way so I'm sure Ooh, sweet. I think that's gonna have to be a whole another episode Clay so as long as you're right. as long as you're funny and cool here we'll definitely have you back to do just a Red Christmas episode no
1: hey, pressure no, no pressure yeah, yeah. no pressure
0: Clay. but today we're actually so we're, we're a holiday ahead of ourselves here or actually two holidays ahead of ourselves uh, we're doing this in October and you guys have a big Kickstarter going on right.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The um, the Nightmare Theater horror anthology, uh, uh, an anthology of cinematic horror. It's blowing up Kickstarter right now. We launched on October 20th and it's going crazy. That's
0: right. Well, tell us crazy. a little bit about the anthology. Tell us. Uh, well, tell, I guess tell us what each of you guys are doing on it, how it how it uh, how, where, where you got the idea for it and how it's progressed. And uh, where is it going to go?
1: We're we're well, we're the editors on it, but we also have a story uh, in it. Um So the idea was just to have stories inspired by cinematic horror, the subgenres of horror. Like you you think about like ghost stories and like something that's a little more psychological horror or slasher films, or, you know, it wasn't about, uh, you know, taking off anything from an an, an exact project, but more Mm -hmm. of just the themes of like those general um, sandboxes. And so we have a, a wide variety of stories with these amazing creators, like a really diverse um, eclectic group of creators, Charlie Stickney, Dave Wanch, David Pepos, um, uh, David Pepos. Like, Oh yeah. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's just like a, a nice big 35 teams uh, have come together to.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. It's a giant book, it's about 225 pages. The book
0: is
2: huge. We call it a, a monster sized book. Yeah. I, mean, it, I get it. it. it really I is.
0: see what you did there.
2: Yeah. Uh, you, you like that? And we, so, so like, like Dave said, it's, it's a real cross-section of, of all kinds of subgenres of horror. So it's like, you, you've got Lovecraftian horror, and we've got, uh, our story is, a, is an 80s-style slasher flick. Um, you've got sort of like a more Fincheresque kind of seven-ish type thing. Um, you've got uh, monsters and vampires and, you know, like the, the late-night creature features. So we, we kind of got it all, and Dave had the brilliant idea to kind of lay it out like a film festival. So yeah. we'll have some shorts, and um, you know our our big yeah, different sections.
1: Facts. Yeah, different sections, and then there's. Um, uh, what was what was that? What, go ahead, Clay. I cut you off. What were you saying? I it is nothing brilliant. <laughs>
2: just uh, just that you. Had- you had this fantastic idea to really sequence it like it was a film festival. So, um,
1: so. Oh, and that's what it was. We created these these characters. There's like a host a hostess called Shelley Post Stoker. She's like kind of a Frankenstein Victorian era uh, horror horror host. Mm. And um, we've got the welder, which is like this you know Jason Freddy Krueger type character. And we call these and and then eerie Aaron. And they're all like terrifying tropes. And they're her minions. And this old theater that's haunted is being opened up again. And they're inviting all these ghosts and fools to come in to watch the film festival. And that's how we structured the book. So we tried oh, to do cool. something beyond just like putting a bunch of stories in a book. We wanted to have it thematically cohesive mm-hmm. and they have their own stories and their own origin stories. And uh, Kyle Roberts did the main cover and he also did these interstitials, which are amazing as they introduce like, okay, this section of the film festival now is starting. And um, there's some surprises in there. There's some, some big names that uh, are joining it, too. And we're, we're really excited about it. Like, um, I think there's a, there's a nice buzz about it. So As Clay said, it's blowing up Kickstarter. Already. It's going crazy. Like, right. I just I can't even believe it. It is a project they love, apparently.
0: Well, you know, it's it's funny. And we've talked to, you know, it's weird, right? A lot of of mainstream superhero comics artists and writers are huge fucking horror guys and we've had some big people like Kelly Jones, Chuck Dixon, they're on the show and we're like, "Hey, remember when you did all those fucking great Punisher and Batman stories? Forget about that. Let's talk about fucking werewolves." And they're so down. And it's funny when you think about like the evolution of comics, you know, for a long time before superheroes, we had horror comics was was a was a bigger staple than superheroes right. for the longest time. And you go back to like the EC Comics days, And it seems like you you guys have an updated version of that where you have like the host that's breaking the the fourth wall and kind of talking to you about what's going on, which I think has always been a really cool thing. And I feel like that doesn't always work. or It's certainly not always used in contemporary comics and definitely not superhero comics. But then when you go back into horror comics, it makes so much sense. And it really is like almost like to me, it's historic because if I read your book and you have someone holding a film festival there that I'm invited to. And I'm coming to with all these other creatures and monsters to watch that. I'm immediately thinking the EC horror.
1: Yeah. there's even a couple stories that, um, uh, are evocative of those comics. Like Peter Murrieta does a, uh, one called ahead of Joaquin about like, uh, you know, the head of, of Joaquin Murrieta that's displayed in one of these like freak things, And it, even the tone of it looks like those EC comics and mm. Christian Horn did a, a uh, thing called, was it Frankenstein? Frankenstein's Vampire. Vampire. Oh, it, it that sounds like, so cool. It looks very much like an EC thing. So there's that. Uh, David Avalone, who did Drawing Blood, and Elvira, Mr. of the Dark, he has this incredible story called German Chocolate that um, Sylvia uh, Califano is doing the art for. Um, there's um, Tony Fabro, who does three-panel crimes, did this extended version of three-panel crimes. It's really cool. Terry Mayo, James Powell. Uh, Jessica, Maison, Carla, Nappy, um, Newton, Le the Crescent City Monsters. I don't know if you've ever seen Crescent City Mm -hmm. Monsters, but he's got like a a short in it. So there's just a ton of amazing people involved in this. So we were really lucky. It's basically just getting everyone together that we really like um, and are good and we know they're good and ask them if they do it. And almost all of them could do it. I mean, there's a few schedule conflicts and people couldn't do it. But overall, again, it just kept growing and growing. Uh, Richard Richard Fairgray has this crazy story. I call it like, um, (laughs) it's like David Sedaris horror. And like, it's just very offbeat and very dark. It's so great. Like, yeah. So there's just this great mix of things. We're excited. And and we wanted
2: to definitely have those hosts because it it, it had become a little bit of a cliche for a while, but then it kind of disappeared Mm -hmm. and people weren't really doing that anymore. You know, like if you go back and look at say Taboo, from the late '80s or early '90s, which was Steve Bissett's uh, horror anthology that he did. That's where um, From Hell was first published. Yep, so you yep. can find the first few chapters of Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell's uh, From Hell. Um, you know, they, they didn't do the host characters, but Steve Bissett would write these very lengthy intros to each piece. It was almost like you were getting a literary uh, collection of short stories. You know, that kind of broke down um, who these creators were and what the stories were and what they did. And then even like right now with uh, with James Tinian's, uh Razor Blades, which is um, I think the second issue comes out next week. Uh, you know he's kind of eschewed that, but I but Dave and I felt that 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 having the host kind of really makes it, as Dave said, a cohesive piece, and it mm-hmm. really just it really just kind of brings it all together rather than just a, a, a random collection of stories that you're not quite sure why these all go together. Um, it, it it really just kind of ties it up in a in such a neat nice little way, and that's definitely what we wanted to present just a, a nice cohesive experience. Right,
0: and that's you know it's interesting that you're you're talking about tying it together because I'm think as we're talking about this, we keep saying the word anthology, we keep saying the word collection, and I really like to read horror anthologies and collections, whether it's prose or comics. On the screen, I'm kind of mixed, like uh-huh. some. Hmm. Horror anthologies are great. Some have some of the stories in the same anthology are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them I'm just, uh, I can't get into to begin with. Uh-huh. I wonder, now Now you got me thinking, I wonder if the ones I don't like are, even though they're an anthology, they're not necessarily, there's nothing to tie them together. I wonder if uh-huh. that's it. Do you guys feel that some, whether it's on the printed page or on the silver screen, do you feel that some horror anthologies work, some horror anthologies don't work? Do you think that horror as a genre is easier or better to put in an anthology form than another genre? I
1: I think just my two cents is that it may not work as well in cinema because you know, you go in expecting something or wanting something, and if it's if there's if it's jumping around and it's not something you are into, it takes you out of the experience. Yeah, yeah. But in a book, Especially the way we've structured it, you can kind of choose to go. It's almost like a choose your own horror adventure. Like, I'm going to go to this section. And I know we've got these great shorts from Tony Fabro and Christy Shin. And like, these are, you know, these are kind of odds and ends. And then there's our late night feature creatures and things like that. So, you know, you can kind of choose what area you want to visit, put it that way with the book. Whereas if you're in a theater and you're at some (laughs) festival and there's like 20 horror shorts and they're all wildly different, I think it could be a little more jarring. But I think having the host, and the way we structured it, uh, definitely gave it more of a, a framework that uh is easier to digest.
2: Mm. But even something like uh, you know, I was always a big fan of the old HBO Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And um and and that too, you know, all the stories were so wildly different, but just having the crypt keeper there, mm-hmm. you know, that that kind of tied it all together and and you know. That's really some of the most memorable stuff too. Well, I think
1: know. about it. It's like people know the Crypt Keeper. They don't remember yeah. a ton of those stories. And so we did try to create that with Shelley Post Stoker. She is uh, Francis Stein's creation. And she was a little bit of Edgar Allan Poe, a little bit of um, uh, Mary Shelley and the, the, the ashes of the lungs of, of uh, <laughs> Bram um, Stoker <laughs> and, and the body of the infamous Can Can Killer. And like, you know, she's her own creation, her own character. She has her own origin story. And so do the other two. And it's kind of cool to launch those characters within this book, you know, and to to see some of these other stories where I know people are going to do something more with them. And this is where they started. And I think Nightmare Theater, um, the horror comic anthology, will always have that to, to uh, be proud of that. Like so many of these stories are launching in this book.
2: Yeah, and that's like for for me go, going back to Taboo, like just to be able to look at that collection, I mean, there's only like nine issues of Taboo and, and a special or something like that. But to be able to say, hey, this is the book where, where From Hell started. Mm-hmm. This is the book where Lost Girls was first published. Um, I think there was uh, there's Throat Sprockets, which um, I think started as a comic and then was later turned into a, a prose horror story. Um, that first uh, premiered in Taboo. Uh, I, I, that to me That book will always be relevant because of that. And just to Dave's point, Nightmare Theater, I think, will be the same way because we do have so many great creators that, you know, while they have written a short story that is a uh, a cohesive, complete, satisfying story on its own they are sort of like pilots for bigger projects. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know some of these people are are planning to uh, to pitch this later or to, or to bring it in uh, a bigger form to the world. But we will always be able to say it started in Nightmare Theatre.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, someone else is going to, like, years and years from now, someone else will be on the show and be like, there was only so many issues of Nightmare Theatre, but, like, books like this started there. That would be pretty cool, man. <laughs> right, right,
1: right. right. I mean, this is a one-off uh, unless we do a volume two, but it was a lot of work. Like I obviously the, bet, the, yeah. the
2: way the Kickstarter is going though, Dave, it's blowing up the charts. It's blowing up so much.
1: We might be doing number two sooner right, than. Exactly. Um, no, it's just that it's a lot of work. Like I, you sometimes think, well, you know, we're going to get all these people together and like, we just need to put it together. But we want that extra step to do our own story. And then the stories <laughs> of the characters that are hosting the, the event and, just the, the aspects of editing that take time, you know, you're going yeah. through you You're, you know, you are giving notes here and there. If people ask for them, um, all the structuring and the contracts and all that stuff. I mean, Clay's great at all these things, but it's a lot of work. And especially for a guy like him, that's got some other stuff going on concurrently. Um, I give him a lot of credit cause he puts together the actual Kickstarter. Um, we, we have this awesome video that we did that where the hostess <laughs> comes to life and presents it. Um, so, yeah. Dave, Dave's being modest. He
2: he's done quite a bit of work on this too. He he did uh, the lion's share of work recru- recruiting uh, writers and artists. Yeah, we got uh, some.
1: We did get some great artists. Like Source Sung is doing one of the uh, exclusive covers, and it looks fantastic. It's called Box Office Death. It's Shelley post Postoker in a graveyard. Leah um, Leah Goldberg did this amazing. Uh, it's like a, it, it reminds me of like The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby. It has like that '70s horror kind of feel. And he did an original oil painting, which will be available on the Kickstarter. Wow. One of and that's a cover. Kyle Roberts did the original. And then um, Orlando Mexifunk Erosina did this amazing vintage movie poster that's going to be the hardcover uh, book. And we're going to also offer it as its own poster, like a high-end, fine art print.
0: You know, it's it, as you're saying this, that's so cool. And I guess we talked about what could be the weaknesses of anthologies, specifically in movies. But I think the strength is... You know, you have the, sh- the the umbrella of horror. There are so many subgenres in there. Right. And yeah. each has its own, you know, like, there's certain things that vampire movies have to have that a slasher movie can't have. It just tonally and stylistically wouldn't work. And then you go into, like, historically, like the 70s, movies were, like, horror movies were different in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Even if you just stick with just American, you don't go into Italy or anywhere or England or anywhere else. You just stick with American horror movies. It's different in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, obviously, till today. But like, I think that's so cool where in an anthology, you can have those little tidbits. You can have those little, like, you want a little bit of werewolf. You want a little bit of bog monster. You want a little bit of, you know, um, I don't know what, like situational stuff where, you know, some sort of tragedy shit happens like Tales from the Crypt style. Uh, and it seems like you guys have a good smattering of all those. Uh, there's a there's a
1: little bit of everything and there's very yeah. little overlap. That's for sure. I would say that's would, so cool. There's something for
2: everyone. And and we did, we did take pains to make sure we had, all the different subgenres, and then also that, like Dave says, there, there's not any real overlap, um, you know. And but but even looking at it, like there are a couple of stories that have very similar themes. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jeff Leeds uh, has a great story uh, called Passage, Passage and um, and that has a very similar theme as another story called Dinner with Blobby, but they're <laughs> but they're very different you know, that's, that's Phil C. Budahorn and, and Don Cardenas, but they're um, they're very different types of horror. And so you wouldn't read those two stories and be like, I just read the same story, right. but thematically they hit the same, you know, they hit the same beats and they hit the same fears, uh, like the deep down primal fears of, of parenting, um, and, and your kid, you know, being a monster. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, it, but they're presented in such different ways that it's like, if, if you're a fan of this more kind of realistic horror, Um, you know, let the right one in kind of thing, then uh, then you got that. But if you're a fan of more like the 50s, uh, the blob, then you got that, too.
0: (laughs) That sounds awesome. I could see why you guys are both saying that each other did a lot of work editing, because wrapping all that stuff together has got to be pretty hard. I mean,
1: you still have to get lucky. And the thing the thing is. It goes back to, you know, I'm somewhat new into the comic scene. You know, I, I was kind of away from even reading comics for a long time until baby badass. I was like, I got to get back into this and start, you know, um, uh, you know, reading again and, and, and going to the conventions. And so I'd meet all these people and almost to a fall, everyone's super nice and cool. And Mm. I mean, I guess you just kind of gravitate to the people you like and all these people we like, we like their work and, um, So, yeah, we got lucky that all the stories were good. Like when they're coming in, you sometimes don't know. Like, oh, my God, what are we going to do with this one? We had none of that. They're all very different, but they're all excellent. And I think that is unique for an anthology. I think anthologies are like, you know, maybe you have a favorite band and they've got some filler on the album type of thing. Um, There's no filler in this. All killer, no filler, baby. (laughs) That's that's uh that's that's a good quote. We should remember that. <laughs> no killer no filler. Uh I think we'll be using that on social media at some point. But I I I'm super happy with it. Like I couldn't believe it because as they were coming in everyone was like wow, I got to up my game because look at the art for this one or, or the story is incredible. So, um yeah, we left out in that way because you hope that they're all going to be good, but they actually were all really really good. And so we're just excited to bring this out and I know how much people love horror. I think they're going to
0: I think they're going to love it. So I could say like, I'm really happy and excited about this book, you guys, because a lot of the names you guys are dropping are people that I've met. Like we kind of run in some of the same circles and I've gotten to interview, even work with some of these people. And it's like, you definitely have some talent on here, but it's also like people whose work I respect and I get into. But I know that a lot of you guys came up together in the comics world. A lot of you guys took classes together. A lot of you guys shop work with each other. Is it harder or easier as editors to get submissions from people you know, like you know, not not just on a professional level, but people you've worked with before on passion projects of your own, or just people who you've gone classes with, or just people who you do cons with? Is it harder or easier as editors to to or to go over their submission?
1: I have an answer for it, but I'm going to let Clay talk first.
0: Okay, I
2: was going to say. Uh, I hope this is the right answer. I was going to say, <laughs> in in theory, it's harder. Because you don't want to step on anybody's toes like if if you if you see something that you feel like needs changing or, or could be better. But I have to say, like, we didn't really come across that mm. during this. You know, um, the vast majority of things that came in, we were like cut and print. This is perfect. Let's sure. do it. You know, um, you know, there, there were a few stories that that people did ask us. You know, hey, what do you think? The A or B? You know, and, and well, yeah, because like, at the I'm earlier sta-
1: at the earlier stages, you need to start shaping it, and it it is this big hunk of clay that you have to start not to sorry for the pun, clay, yeah, no, but not this guy, start, that hunk of clay uh, that you have to start whittling down and, and and shape it into something that's not just cohesive, but it doesn't have stories that like are too similar. So, like Clay said early on, we'd get story submissions first. It was just like, give us the pitch. And then and then the story and then the art and then all these deadlines, you know, um, and that's the thing hitting the deadlines. But like he said, we really didn't run into that. And I think it goes back to picking good people that do good work. Like, I think in some ways that's easier because you kind of know they're going to give you good work. And if they know other good people are involved, they're not going to want to just do some, you know, tossed off piece of whatever. Sure. Like they, they want to like put their best foot forward. And so it's almost like this. Uh, external competition that, that like everyone's kind of one upping each other. And so I think the reader will be the the beneficiary of that.
0: That's a good way to think about it. I didn't think about how, you know, you're putting your, your story, your, your effort, your work into a book where other people, you you obviously want to put best foot forward, right? You're not just doing something on the side. So yeah, I guess it's almost like peer pressure to do really well.
2: Beach Boys versus the Beatles, man. You know, like somebody's coming in with revolver, and then somebody's laying down pet sounds, and then you know we got Sergeant Pepper's coming in. It really is. Yeah. It really is fantastic. And and like Dave says, uh, you know, ninety percent of filmmaking is casting, and and
1: so you know this anthology was the same way. And it's funny you say that because that's where I met Clay. Like we did it. I did a film with Keith Cloris back in the day in the mid two thousands and it was called bloodline and it was Mm -hmm. basically like a Friday, the 13th meets memento. It was this fractured timeline story The kids go camping and there's murders and, but there's a little ton of twists and clay was a, in his twenties, I think. So he was the lead actor and me and Keith were the director. And so he was great to work with. It was a fun time. It was a, you know, a lower budget horror film, uh, that got released by Lionsgate, uh, got some good reviews because people were like, wow, this is, I expected some, shitball movie from Lionsgate, straight to video here and this is actually pretty good um and so i knew clay from back then and then you know he lived across the country we didn't really talk much and um uh, 10 years later maybe about uh i started baby badass up and i asked him some questions because i saw that he was doing fried comics and so we started talking about comics and ended up seeing each other at san diego comic con a couple of years in a row and um I think we tabled in in Tulsa one one time. Tulsa, and, baby. Yeah. And If you've ever tabled in Tulsa, let me tell you, <laughs> uh, it's a great Broadway it was a great show. show. Yeah, Broadway <laughs> show. We tabled in Tulsa was fantastic. But um, I, we we kind of like realized, oh, we're like real, we're like real friends. We have like a lot of same sensibilities and mm. things like that. So working together, and I mean, he's helped me on some of the kickstarters, but um, his stuff is great. Like I I love reading Red Red Christmas, and I love reading uh, PBOW. Like I I get a kick out of it. So like, you know, it it just seemed natural that we would kind of team up to do this. Now, to answer the other question in another way, I had no experience putting together like artists and creators like this. So I didn't know what to expect, but I can tell you that besides it being, you know, a hard job, it was really rewarding and it's been a lot of fun. And to see this thing come together, something that we're really, really proud of. Like, yes, it's blown up on Kickstarter, like you say, um, (laughs) apparently crazy, going crazy. Um, but regardless of what happens, like, we're really proud of this book. This book will stand the test of time as a really good horror anthology.
0: Oh, we're Amen. Like, we're psyched. We're psyched. I, want, I can't wait to read it. I guess the last question I want to ask you guys about that stuff is that the people who are submitting to you, are these like dyed in the wool horror fans? Do you think anyone was stepping outside of their comfort zones? Or you think like these guys, these guys and gals knew, knew their stuff, knew their horror?
2: I think there are a few people who might've been stepping outside their horrors or their comfort zones. Um, like David Pepos, I, I think mentioned, you know, when we first approached him, he was like, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. Do I have a horror story to tell? Mm. And then he was like, I, I laid down and it just came to me. Mm-hmm. Like the story just came to him and the pitch. And suddenly he had this thing that he's very excited about and, um, and might be going
1: places. And it's very, yeah. and it's very unique too. It's like, a, it's, You know, Pepos does his own thing. I was going to say, as Pepos does. He does it really well. And his story, Die, Die, Danger Ronin, I think is the title. It's like, it's not like anything else in the book. And it's not quite like other horror things I've seen before. But again, whether they're stepping out of their comfort zone or not, they're all good writers. You know, like, look, a guy like Sean Gabor is a horror master. Horror guy. he He loves every type of horror and he writes every type of horror. But someone that doesn't, maybe they just have a different take. Like, I don't know. I guess Richard Fairgray has done some horror in his own style, um, but I don't know if he's told a story quite like the one he tells in this, like, Colonels All the Way Down, which is one of my favorite stories. It's one of book. my
2: favorites, too, yeah, because uh, it's, it's just in, so different.
1: It's not traditional horror at all, but it is horrifying, and it's funny, too. And so there's just this crazy cross-section of people that, whether they wrote horror or not before, I think they all like horror yeah. in some way, and that, and that makes a difference. Like, I don't think we have anyone that said, okay, I'll do a horror story. But I don't like horror. I don't watch horror. Like, there's nothing like that. They all right. love horror, whether or not they did it or not before doesn't matter. Like, they just did a good job on this one.
2: And we and we were very conscious too of that, like making sure that we were approaching people that that had horror bona fides and could um you know could could be credible in that space. And there were like there were a few people that I approached that you know I I liked their work. I knew they weren't really horror people, but I thought they might you know like 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 a pepos might have something to say in that area. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they thought about it and they were like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you asked me, but, uh, but horror is not really my strong suit. And I don't think I'd be an asset to this book. And, and you have to respect that. Right. Um, but, uh, but by far, like most of the people we approached, you know, we were very targeted in terms of like, you know, we, we want people that have that credibility because we want people to open this book
1: and be like, Oh my God, yeah, this is a real horror right. anthology. Right. I mean, there's R- Russell Nolte is in it. ML Miller who did grave trancers, mm-hmm. um, even like, uh, Sebastian Kalasek who did Kinsey who won like an award, like awards for Kinsey. Um, I didn't know what kind of horror story he would tell. I mean, he did penguins versus possums. That's not really horror. And same with Steven Prince who does monster matador. It's not really horror. There's monsters. Um, but he gave us something completely different. So these artists and creators, like they all really stepped up and, um, for, uh if you can't tell, we're pretty stoked to finally get this book out. I mean, it's already out and blowing up Kickstarter, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you
0: know, it is a project we love. We can't say that. Uh, and clearly. And it, I think that comes across in how you guys talk about it. And you guys love horror, right? In general.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, heck yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like horror has always been around. It's always been popular. Pe- people love it. Even if you don't, you know, like even if you're not into horror. Per se, everybody knows who Jason is. Sure, everybody knows who Freddy is. Everybody knows Frankenstein and Dracula. Like they're just they're just part of the cultural conversation.
0: It's true. I mean, I think horror has a very important part of any culture, right? Look at any culture in like literally in the entire world. There's got to be a horror component. There's something that goes bump in the night that scares you. I think that's a very human thing. As Mm -hmm. individuals, it's a part of like a society, right? You have to have an underbelly of society, whether it's Something that is based in reality or something supernatural, but uh, what kind of horror speaks to you guys? Whether it's movies or comics or TV or or prose, what writers do you like? What movies do you like? What comics do you like? Spit them at me.
2: So I first fell in love with uh, Psycho when yes. I was uh, yeah when I was a teenager, and I actually started with the book. Funnily enough, the Robert Bloxom was... novel. The Robert Block novel. Mm-hmm. I was in, uh, I don't know, I don't know if uh, where you guys were, they had turtles tapes and music, but that was, uh, that was where I got all of my, you know, <laughs> that was my tower records or, you know, where was you that? say? Where is that? Uh, suburban Atlanta. And oh, okay. I, I don't think they exist anymore, but they used to have these little like turtle tokens you would get, you know, instead of a gift card, you'd get a turtle token and you could, you know, you can <laughs> trade it in. And so I, I think somebody had given me some turtle tokens for my birthday and, uh, and I went and I was looking and they had, you know, it was mostly tapes and CDs and, and I don't know, probably not even vinyl at that point, you know, it hadn't made a big comeback, but, but they had a small section that was books and I'm all, you know, I'm just, I'm a big nerd. So I was looking in the book section and I saw psycho and psycho Two. He wrote a sequel. He wrote um, two sequels. I, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Psycho house. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I have psycho house also. <laughs> And um, and and I bought it. The, the covers were fantastic, you know, just beautiful pulp art. And I said, you know what? I I've heard of this. I'm going to I'm going to take this and uh, use my turtle tokens for this. <laughs> I tore through those books in like record time. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm watching the movies and, you know, obviously the the Alfred Hitchcock original is is phenomenal but i think psycho 2 the movie is better than it you know has any right to be it's, sure. it's really well done and i even think psycho 3 has its charms uh oh, you some of the you dark humor love,
1: you truly love horror <laughs> <laughs> you love something i, I love i love psycho, psycho, psycho 4 was really you know it had its charms man and it's psycho psycho, 6, it
2: 4, really, you know, <laughs> psycho 4 i could do without, but uh but did so, you, psycho wait did 3, you watch the,
1: the the remake the Gus Van Band, like in color oh version? sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I I went and in in, saw it in the theater. Yeah, and what do yeah. you think? Yeah, uh, no, no reason to be. <laughs> no, reason to <laughs> no reason to do that. No reason to do that. It's like when I, when I heard they remade Arthur. You know, I was like the Dudley Moore Arthur, and they remade like, why, why, this?
2: Just don't, why are you doing
1: this? You don't need to do this. All right.
2: Um, but that's, but that's actually become the, a thing that I do now is that like, I will go and read, I, I like reading books that I know were turned into movies just to see like, what did, what did, what yeah. did somebody see in this piece that made them want to translate it into a movie? So I'll, you know, like I'll read the exorcist, which is a beautifully written novel and was obviously made into a beautiful film. Um And, and, you know, all, all of these great books that were turned into horror movies, but now like, I'm really into, um, I always love the child's play movies. <laughs> and i'm i'm actually reading right now crystal lake memories which is an nice. oral history of the friday the 13th movies and that's really got me on a big friday the 13th kick i, I watched the original yesterday and uh and it holds up
0: speak speaking my language man let me let me uh, you got so much to cover here and then we'll get to whatever <laughs> dave wants to say too yeah yeah sure. who cares
1: um, who cares what dave says when
0: you read first of all when you saw this psycho in the in yeah. turtle bookstore did you know that that was like a Hitchcock staple and everybody loves it as a film? Like, did did you, were you aware of its film presence?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I was aware of the movie, but I'd never seen it. You did know, you and, know and what the,
0: did... the 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 reveal was at the end? Because I, I didn't can't... see it till high school, but I knew yeah. what it, I knew it. I knew I could tell you what happened throughout the entire film, even though I'd never seen it. Right. It was certainly such a part the of the ending.
2: Yeah. It was such a part of the cultural conversation mm-hmm. at that point that it's like, you know, it Everybody knows that, that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Right, right, right. Wait, 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 back up. What? Spoiler
1: alert. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I have been waiting for so long to watch these movies. I have planned it out and I was going to watch starting with one and go all the way. Are you telling me God damn it, Clay?
0: I also you know, love the idea where like a week or so from now, Dave watches Psycho, and it's like, Darth Vader wasn't even in that.
1: <laughs> in this movie, yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever see, I'm sure you've seen the Simpsons episode where they flash back to, like, 1983, <laughs> yeah. and there's a long line for Empire Strikes Back, and Homer walks there. he's like, wow, who could have ever guessed that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father? And like, like, oh, thanks a lot, moron. Thanks a
0: lot. <laughs> that was yeah,
1: a good I- impression,
2: too. <laughs> I, I think I, I, think I knew the big reveal at that point, but I, but I definitely, everybody knew the shower scene. Right. I mean, for right. sure I knew the shower scene and, and, and that was probably ruined for me by comics because I, there was a, uh, there was a run by Doug Mensch and Tom Mandrake on Batman yeah. that was woefully too short. And it was, uh, it was so good that it's the one that brought us black mask, but there was the film freak. And uh, so the film freak stages a murder in a shower. He's going to kill Julia Pennyworth, and he's going to do it like like Norman Bates in Psycho. So um, so I'm pretty sure that's how I first encountered the shower scene. OK, but but, you know, but of course, the shower scenes everywhere. So I knew I knew it had a it's, famous. It's scene even in shower. our book,
1: by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie D'Angelini does Collectors. I don't know if you ever read Collectors. There's a really cool little comic strip and he does a psycho theme. uh, you know, um, comic strip. So go ahead. It's, oh, no, I was just going to
2: say it's yeah, it's such it's a moment.
1: It's it's everywhere.
2: I I don't know if I I don't remember if I knew the big twist mm. at the end, um. But uh, but I just remember I I I devoured that book so fast and and the sequel, so fast and and I even I even read Psycho again, uh, just a few years ago, and it it just read as well the second time as it did the first. It's just such a classic.
0: I saw it in high school for the first time on DVD. And I knew it. I tell you, I knew the beats of the movie. It still gave me goosebumps, that viewing, and it still does every single time. It's top three horror for me. Easy. And you talk about the difference between the book and the movie. One of my favorite things in the book that's not in the movie is after he kills Marion in the shower, he chops her up and puts her in a hamper. And I remember thinking that that was more grotesque to me than anything else in the rest of the book is thinking like, think of the biggest hamper you ever saw. (laughs) <laughs> right you still like to fit a human woman a full-grown human woman in there shit man you you got to do some some you pushing. gotta chop that up yeah and i was like fuck that and that that was to me was the scariest part of 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 that book and the, the one thing that, that that's definitely not in the movie there's a couple other nuances and and some sure. bigger things that are in the book that are not in the movie um we interviewed tom holland who was the oh yeah director of of fright night and child's play he also uh. was the writer of uh, psycho, of psycho Two, the movie so for that, I read Psycho 2, the book, and it is totally different. way different than the movie. Totally different. I remember loving it when I read
2: it. I, I haven't read it since I first read it, you know, it's back something in else, high school. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure high school Matt would think of it
0: different than current Matt, but...
2: Sure, sure.
0: Um, that's Those are some good ones, and those are stapled. You said Exorcist and Psycho. Those are top two. Definitely yeah. top two for me ever. Dave, yeah. where do you chime in on either either Psycho or Exorcist or what else is, is high I on your shelf? The,
1: look, I love both of those. But the first thing that introduced me to horror, really, I had to be I was nine and Salem's Lot was on TV. The original. Oh, yeah. And imagine being nine years old, which I think is probably the age of the kids in the movie, like where the one kid, his brother comes back and he's scratching at the window. Yeah. And I will never get that out of my head. That kid floating and scratching and the sound of the scratching in and and his eyes and like. The, the pale skin. And it just freaked me the fuck out forever. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, two years later, I saw The Shining and I was probably pretty young to see The Shining too. That came out in 80. And maybe I saw it on HBO in 81, 82, something like that. And to me, The Shining is my favorite film. And I know that there's a lot of debate, you know, between like, well, with the book and everything else, but I'm a big Kubrick fan. And I just thought it was the most artful, stylistic horror film that obviously has ever been made in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know where do you guys fall on the shining. I, I just
0: talk about a like book. That's different than the movie.
1: Exactly. And I yeah. did see Dr. Sleep, uh, recently and I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, and I love how they integrated parts of the movie and then parts of the book and tried to like have it both ways. I think successful. but, um, to me, the shining is like my top. film.
0: We just did like, I don't, this is a, a future deconstruction, but we just talked with, um, artist and writer, Gregory Wright, big on all the Batman comic books, and we talked about The Shining with him, and we went deep into the book yeah. versus the movie, and it was great because it's, it's like it was one of his first intros to anything either, and he loves the book maybe more than the movie, which is, that's a hard thing. Like, a lot of people don't like The Shining book as much as they like the movie because it's drastically different. And right, also, right. I think, uh, Dave, you said earlier, uh, or I think, I, no, I think actually think it was Clay, you said that casting makes the makes the movie makes the piece
1: yeah. Jack
0: Nicholson playing Jack Torrance in that movie I mean anyone else Force on the nature. planet I mean and you read the book and the Jack in the book in my opinion I don't think is half as scary as Jack Nicholson on screen um I agree with Stephen you Stephen King would disagree with you I know and you know what <laughs> I can certainly see his point of view but that is so I'm a huge Stephen King fan most of Stephen King's stuff I read first and then saw the movie so when, and I think we all kind of have this at least to a certain degree, whether it's prose or comics, when you read it first, you go into the movie with expectations. And Dave, sure. you did say this before about anthologies. You go in expecting something, whatever it is. Right. And if it varies too far from the source material, sometimes that can be a shock or you you know, you know don't like it. The Shining was one of the few, for me, that was switched where I saw the movie first. And I'm talking about, obviously, the Kubrick movie, right. not the, the miniseries. Right. But when I read the book, it was like, what what is this what is this so the, it, book it poised, is the
1: the movie poisoned your mind a little that's well, what I was curious to totally ask you about did, like, yeah. of of all of all the Stephen King books you've read, what movie adaptations do you like the best
0: the best See, you know it's funny you brought up Salem's lot because recently I read it and I love it, and I went back Great and book. revisited the um the mini series and it was that was done twice the original mini series, and yeah. I got like the uncut quote unquote uncut because it originally aired with such such amount of gore. And then they trimmed it back, you know, four and a half minutes for prior releases. So I got the the exclusive cut, blah, blah, blah. And it was way better than I remember seeing when I had just read the book as a, you know, it's, as a kid in probably it's high school. It's middle
1: James kid. Mason, right? Isn't it? Yeah. James Mason. right James Mason. Yeah. He was pretty fucking scary. man. Yeah. Like, for, and it's and like, they, I think they, it's, <laughs> when it's
0: unsung like that. And we love
1: David soul too. Cause like I was a big Starsky and hutch fan. So like David soul. Yeah. That,
0: oh, shit. Like, it's pitch it's perfect. Really I mean, I think it's, it. I think it's almost like if you had a better budget, you could make it better. Now it yeah. wouldn't be as good. Cause it felt like that book. It feels it, that book can work any time. But it definitely had that niche of being like an 80s book, late 70s, 80s book. Yeah. And I feel that it's in the writing. And the, the miniseries captured that, I felt like. It captured small towns. I think small towns today are different than small towns then. But no, I'm on board. That miniseries was creepy. It's, it's funny because I think the first time I saw that miniseries was before I got into film as like an art form. It was before yeah. I wanted to make... I mean, it's not before I wanted to make movies, but I thought vampires should be this way and scariness should be this way. So I think a lot of the beats of that movie and a lot of the the important shit was lost upon me when I was 11 and I knew everything, you know? And yeah, then I think right. now I watched, again, Salem's Lot, I think within the last year and a half, two years, I watched it. And See, I, I haven't like, seen it in
1: forever, so I was wondering if it held up at all because, you know, we're used to seeing some great horror and sure. like better effects and things like that now, so it might have seemed super cheesy but as a 9 year old and you'd never seen anything like that before it was very effective
0: but i think that the 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 fact that you saw it with those eyes first of an impressionable 9 year old and it meant so much to you yeah it will absolutely hold up to you you yeah. might look at it and be like wow i remember that this was much more scarier you know 30 40 something years ago right, right. but you will i think you'll still love it for what it is cuz i didn't even have that pre-existing sentimentality over it but i mm-hmm. still thought it was like wow this is fucking great and i kind of could imagine had I read the book when it came out and then watched that miniseries you know what if it was 10 years later or something yeah. I would have been like excited about it you know what I mean and Stephen King properties I don't think always have that there's a lot right. of times you watch the cinematic version or the tele- television version and you're like well
1: <laughs> yeah It's it's interesting you're talking about King, but because I there's another book that I love that was came in the wake of King was Robert McCammon's Swan Song, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's this post apocalyptic horror story, and it got a lot of attention back when it came out in the late mid to late '80s. But that's a story that I'd love to see get done. I've even tried to find the rights to it and do it, Um, but his stuff doesn't seem to get adapted very much. Robert McCammon.
2: I would have to go if I'm going with the Stephen King movies that that came out great. I would have to have to go with Misery. Interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie was so fantastic, and it's just like it's basically two characters, you Mm -hmm. know, stuck in one room. And uh, how Rob Reiner made that interesting. um, I I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot more art and talent that went into that than than maybe is is readily apparent you know, when, when you first think about it, but, but the fact that they pulled that off and made it so great. I remember William Goldman talking about adapting it. And he was saying that um, the scene that made him want to do that movie was the scene in the book where she chops off his feet and then, and then takes the the fire to kind of solder it shut. Mm -hmm. And William Goldman was at first, like, I don't, you know, I don't really want to do this Stephen King novel. Like it's not really my thing, but then he read that scene and he was like, That's it. That's the scene that everybody's going to remember. Right. Right. And, and great horror and, and really great movies. They, they, or books really, they, they have that scene that just sticks in your head. You might forget everything else, but you'll remember that one scene. And, um, and then he, William Goldman was so upset when when they started when he turned in his draft and they were like, well, you got to change that. We can't do that on camera. That's <laughs> yeah. that's too you're going you're gonna to cripple this guy for life. And like no, nobody, you're going to lose the audience. You can't do it. And he was he said he was just so crushed and he was he was pissed off. But then when he saw the movie, he realized, yeah, that was that was the right call for the movie. But um, but we did, you know, Dave and I did try to approach that with our short because uh, we do have a short in the anthology called Nightmare. Oh, with which a is, K. With a K. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's, and it's kind of a, a late eighties style slasher, but we did, we did sort of want to build it around like, okay, if we have like this one scene or this one moment that you're going to remember, you know, and, and so we, we did, we, there is a little, there is that little thing in there where, where you're going to read it and you're going to be like, oh shit. And, uh, and that's, that's going to be the thing I think you remember about, uh, about Nightmare.
0: What's uh, Dave jumping back to Salem's Lot? What's the the one scene, the foot getting soldered? What's the what's the one or two scenes that like stand out in your mind, either well, from the miniseries of the book?
1: There's I guess the, there's a stake driving scene if I recall, but uh, the the kid at the window is just like I said. it's oh, seared that's right. into yeah, my yeah, brain. That's right. yeah. We like, that. I will that's never right. forget that because I remember looking at my window in my bedroom thinking that that was going to happen like all the time. Like there'd be a vampire. Scratching with his nails, and it was his, his brother, right? His dead his brother, brother. That had, yes, and so he's telling, like, open the open the window, yeah. come join me. It was fucking terrifying. Like I can't even believe looking back. Like nine years old, watching that, I was out of my head. Like it was so scary. And it reminds me, like my my wife tells stories, like her sister showed her The Exorcist when she was like seven years old or something. Like no kid should be watching The Exorcist. like when you Think about those scenes. Like it's horrifying, and and um beyond like there's no way but once you do like that shit doesn't leave your brain so um yeah i have (laughs) i've i guess i've liked horror but i've also again i've never seen salem's lot again since then so maybe like it's It's worth the checkout i'll tell you if i if i
0: meet up with you it's worth i mean i have the i think i have the dvd now that the the unrated you know edition
1: it's in in 2022 when everyone can get back together yeah yeah, right when people can see people
0: (laughs) yeah exactly Oh, well guys, this has been super fun. I could do this all fucking day. Like I I mean, let's do this. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. Whether it's based on this conversation or in general, what's your horror movie or horror book homework? What's something horror that's on your to-do list, to watch list, to read list in the next, you know, couple weeks?
2: So, I let me jump in. Uh I'm going to give two answers just because why not. Yeah. Um, the first is my daughter. So I'm listening to you guys talk about, uh, you know, watching these movies when you're way too young. Uh, we have probably sheltered our children maybe too much, you know, not not letting them watch. You're like, my stuff. daughter's seven. It's perfect. Exorcist time. <laughs> <It's> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> no, my, my daughter's 14. She's uh, she first she started getting bored with the movies that we were showing her. So I was like, all right, let's 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 step let's spice it, let's it, up, a it up a notch. Let's, yeah. let's, let's kick it up a notch. And so for some reason, uh, we started talking about the movie, the hand that rocks the cradle. So she wanted to see that. So we showed her that she loved it. Then uh, I think we watched the remake of pet cemetery. We watched, um, we watched child's play. She loves horror movies. So now mm. finally I've got a
1: buddy and sure. like my, did she, my did wife she ever, doesn't like, did she ever see bloodline clay? I mean, <laughs> she will. I'll show, I'll show that that might scar her, but I'll, okay. I'll show
2: it to her at some point. So anyway, I, I, I think, She's my horror movie buddy because my wife doesn't like watching horror movies. And so uh, literally after we got off this call, uh, I think we're going to go watch Rosemary's Baby. And oh, I'm going to nice. introduce her to that classic. Uh, the other thing, though, is because I am reading Crystal Lake Memories right now, um, I do want to go back and catch. Uh, I think I want to catch the the final chapter and Jason Lives because those were the ones that, that sound uh, sort of right up my alley. So that's, Jason that's Lives is favorite. one
0: of my favorites. It's like it's. <laughs> It, a lot of people yeah. think it's different for this reason or that reason, but it's definitely one of my favorites.
2: Yeah, it it sounded like it would appeal to me for sure. I I like Bride of Chucky. Uh, I think that's that's one of my favorites <laughs> okay. in that series, and it it sort of felt like it might be along those lines. So
1: wait, I'm sorry, you said the director of Child's Play? Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. He what's the other one he did? that's Fright, Fright night. night. Fright Night, which I those love. those are his two Fright big night. ones. Yeah. I forgot. Like I mean, he's done a bunch. Fright Night, exactly. I loved House and I loved Fright Night. Like. I, th- those as like an early teenager, te- mid teenage, mid age teenager. Like I love those movies because they were funny too. Like yeah, yeah. they were so funny and I'm big into comedy. Like my thing is comedy or not as much as comedy, but when you cross those two, like you've totally got me. And that's why I got on a kick watching evil dead one and two again, recently. There you go. Yeah, um, And had a lot of fun with that, but I'm actually open because I'm trying to find out what are the best horror films I can watch. To me, I can't watch. Any horror film because it's a horror film. I know like guys like Sean and Dave watch like they love just garbage horror too, like just shitty movies like Chopping Mall and like Chopping Mall Four like they'll watch every horror film. And I, I don't have time for that. Like it's like I need to watch a good horror film. So you know I feel like I've watched all the great horror films, but I'm open to suggestions. Like if you guys can email me and tell me you got to check this out. This is amazing. Um, some of the recent stuff I've seen uh, like Hereditary and um Midsommar like I, I I like the atmosphere but I'm still looking for those like 70s all right like I like got omen. I got oh, you like right something here. like the omen or something that just like you know really kind of I
0: have one for you I have start. one for you. yeah tell me I liked hereditary and I liked hereditary's tone and style I didn't like the reveal at the end when they're like hey this is what the movie is about I was like really I, I just it didn't hit it for me but I liked <laughs> right, the tone right. there's a movie that came out I think within the last three or four years called it follows did you see that I've heard of it, though. I heard it's great. See it. It's. I, I won't even tell Clay? you what it's about. So No, I haven't seen it. You haven't it seen follows. it either, Clay? Oh, dude. No, no. Clay, you're going to like it based on what it, you like. Is it streaming, oh,
1: so, is it streaming somewhere It. That you know? It's
0: got to be. So, it, I was okay. recently. I don't know if it still is, but at least you could rent it on Amazon or something. Okay. And I can tell you right now, if Amazon's charging 5 bucks for it, it's worth the $5. bucks.
1: i will do it. That's it, what I'm looking for.
0: I was way down the 405 And Clay, are you still in... The East Coast, or you live in in California? Now?
2: I'm in the I'm in the Midwest now.
0: Okay, the 405 so is a huge US highway arts. on California. Parts that often gets fucked up. But I was like, st- I had to go down there during rush hour, so I was like trapped, like an hour or so away from my house during rush hour, and I was like, I'm not gonna get home anytime soon. So I was like, I'll just go see a movie, let traffic chill down, and I saw It Follows was there, and I was like, I know it's a horror movie. That's and there was nothing else there that I cared about more than that. I was so fucking stoked. It's great. It's 80s horror. It's even portrayed in such a way that there's only one thing in the movie that dates it. Otherwise, it could be the 80s or it could be today. There's only one single thing and they did it on purpose. The music is 80s. The acting style and clothing is 80s. And it definitely harkens back to some of the really cool 80s movies. I love seeing a movie not knowing anything about it. So I'm not even going to... Unless you want, I'm not even going to tell you anything about it. But it is definitely is definitely a really cool 80s vibe movie that is just, uh, it's def. it's my, it's one of my two favorite, that and Duke I think are my two favorite contemporary horror movies okay. of the last say 10 years or so.
1: That's right. Duke that. is really we, good too. So to check that out. I did. speaking of 80s horror. I don't know if you guys have seen the babysitter movies on Netflix. Like
0: <laughs> I haven't yet. I know. You know like, yeah,
1: they're, they're, they're fun. They're, I mean, they're, they're definitely like, they get it. Um, uh, yeah they're, they're worth checking out I guess you know if you're looking for that
0: there's more out there than not like and, the, and it's like I love shitty movies but it's like you said Dave sometimes you're in the mood for good or you're in the mood for like shitty but worth the time and then you're like 20 minutes in you're like this isn't even like fun shitty. This is just <laughs> shitty.
1: I got dishes to wash, man. <laughs> yeah, I gotta turn your movie I off. Got, to like, wash I really dishes. like. It's, it's gotta hold me. So, um, and I did watch Cabin in the Woods late, uh, recently. I'd never seen that before. The original right? one.
0: So, yeah, is there a uh, there, there was uh, original no. one from like the '90s, but it's been remade two or three times.
1: I didn't know that. I, I saw the one with Richard Jenkins, and uh, is that so the one that with the kid
0: seen? from uh, Um, The Panga, whatever that Boy Meets World. That's the one you gotta watch. The Eli Roth one. Eli Roth directed it.
1: No, but I don't think I thought he produced it. I don't think he directed it. Cabin in directed the Woods. It. Yeah, the
0: first one. Oh, sorry, mm. sorry, sorry. Not Cabin in the Woods. I'm yeah, you're. I'm thinking, thinking of Fever. Cabin Fever. Cabin sorry. Fever. No, Cabin no, in, Cabin in, the, in the, Woods. the Woods is great. Cabin in the Woods yeah. is great. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm just like again, it's 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 Halloween month, so I'm trying to go through horror films. My wife, she's working on a book, so she's busy. I'm like, you know, she doesn't like horror. That's what I'm gonna watch. I'm yeah, just I hear like that. Going through. We so. all
0: married non-horror wives. <laughs>
1: Oh, your wife doesn't like
0: them either? No, <laughs> my, my wife doesn't. Li- the only cool thing my wife is like is me. That's the only cool thing that <laughs> she has time for. Uh, Although, she, I got to be fair, and we talked about Fright Night. We're in the middle of Fright Night right now. She, I said, would you watch one or two horror movies with me this month? And uh-huh. she's allowed, she's given it a couple tries. We watched a Hammer movie that put her to sleep. We watched, um, what was the second one we tried? We tried another thing that she wasn't having, and then Fright Night, because of, of the comedy. She's is she liking Fright, Fright night. night? She's liking yeah, it so no. far, but we've it's started it way too hit- late
1: hammy everyone's good in it like it's i i, I gotta revisit that too it's it's a
0: fun one it's yeah and, and it's 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 everything you want it to be so guys if you guys haven't heard any or haven't watched any of these movies that we've been talking about check it out please write us let us know what you guys have been watching what you guys haven't been give dave some homework right i need, and tell yeah, us what what um suggestions. and guys tell us uh dave you start and then clay you go Tell us where we can find you aside from the Kickstarter. Tell us where the where the Kickstarter is, but also tell us where we can find what you guys are up to on social media and online.
1: Sure, the Kickstarter, of course, is Nightmare Theater. If You type that in, you'll find it. Um, I am at Schraderopolis on Twitter and Instagram, and also the Baby Badass Twitter.
2: Yep, and uh, I'm just going to give you a handy dandy short link for the Kickstarter. It's bit.ly/slash Nightmare Theater, and that'll come up. It's blowing up Kickstarter right now, so go check it out. Uh, And you can find me on Twitter at Clay's evil twin. And also Darth Vader's (laughs) Luke Skywalker's fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If you guys didn't know that, it's
1: just FYI.
0: That was awesome guys. I can't wait to see the anthology and uh, I can't wait to hear what you think of the movies that we just gave each other for homework. So guys, yeah. Yeah. Keep listening. Have a great, wonderful uh, October. Happy Halloween to everybody. And definitely check out uh, their anthology Nightmare Theater because it's going to be it's going to be fucking wacky. So, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. That was a good time. Thank
1: you. Thank thanks you. for having Happy Halloween, everybody. All right. We
0: got to do our... Uh, Dave, I think we've done it before, but Clay, we have a secret handshake at the launch pad. We start oh. with our hands sideways like this. We all come in and meet in the middle. You invert your hand because it's a rocket ship and then it blasts off. And when it blasts off, you make a raspberry noise. So...
1: Wait, when you say invert, you mean like this?
0: Yep. Yeah, we come in sideways, then we invert, and then we uh, raspberry noise. Raspberry.
1: I've not done this before.
0: Oh, you never did. Oh, welcome. Well, here we go. It's initiation. Ready? Ready? Three, two, one. (laughs)
1: Sweet. Yes. And you guys are married with children. (laughs) We are all married with children. It's
0: true. Yep. My kid's going to love that. He can't do shit right now. He's too little. But when he's older and now Rumi's in, involved, Rumi's got a kid, that kid's going to be doing the handshake too. Well, I don't know, almost two.
1: He's ready to watch The Exorcist, I think. Like He
0: yeah? has wa- uh, no joke, he's watched The Exorcist. I have a whole series of photos of over his shoulder of him watching movies. The Exorcist is already on.
2: Oh, my God. It literally scared the shit out of him. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Oh, this yeah. has
0: been the Launchpad Podcast and we are out.
1: Ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one, zero. all engines running, liftoff, we have a liftoff.